the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition. It's Friday. It's a Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're glad to have you with us. We're going to take a look at some of the headline news in this first couple of segments of today's program, and then we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. In our second hour, we'll focus on the Christian outlook. We'll hear from retired U.S. Army General Jack Keane, along with Brandon Weikert, who's the founder of the Weikert Report about Russia's ill-equipped and insufficiently trained military carrying out the invasion of Ukraine. We'll hear from uh, Don Crow uh, as he turns to Elijah Brown, CEO of the Baptist World Alliance, to look at the pictures that emerge of our brothers and sisters in Christ and their faithfulness in the face of war. And Dr. Albert Moeller looks at Ukraine President Vladimir uh, Volodymyr uh, Zelensky, the man who has caught the attention of the free world. All of that coming up in the second hour as part of the... um, the Christian outlook. I should mention that in addition to the images we're seeing from Ukrainians who uh, are standing in defiance against the invasion, there are Russian ministers who have also risked everything to express their dissent. And in Russia, as we'll hear in just a few moments, that can be very costly. It will be and is very costly. So there are uh, those in the faith on both sides of that uh, that line, if you will. Well, Russian lawmakers moved today to impose harsh jail terms for publishing fake news, in quotes, about the army, which a senior lawmaker said would apply to foreigners as well, foreigners in Russia, as Moscow moves to muffle dissent over its invasion of Ukraine. Well, the new legislation set out jail terms of varying lengths and fines against people who publish knowingly false information about the military. Who defines what's fake news and what's knowingly false information? Well... I think you know the answer. If the fakes led to serious consequences, the legislation threatens imprisonment for up to 15 years, the lower house of parliament said in a statement. Well, speaking at the session, the head of the head of the parliament's information committee uh, said the law concerns all citizens, not only Russian ones, because we are talking about actions against Russia, end quote. Well, amendments were also passed to fine or jail people calling for sanctions against Russia with jail terms. The past year has been an unprecedented crackdown on independent and critical voices there that's intensified since the invasion began with the threat of invasion. Well, the chairman of the parliament uh, railed against foreign social media after Facebook was briefly inaccessible in Russia on Friday. All these IT companies, beginning with Instagram and ending with the others, are based in the United States of America. It is clear they uh, are used as weapons. They carry hatred and lies. We need to oppose this, he said. Russia's media watchdog said Friday it had restricted access to the BBC and other independent news websites further tightening control over the Internet, not only what is expressed from Russians on the Internet, but what information gets to Russians from the Internet. Well, in other news, the state media regulator announced today 
It's blocking access to the social media platforms just over a week after Russia first invaded Ukraine. Now, the regulator claimed that Facebook violated federal law there by restricting access to the accounts of several state propaganda sites. Asked about the agency's decision during a press briefing today, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said the Biden administration is deeply concerned about Russia's decision to cut off its citizens' access To Facebook, well, more importantly, access to information. Well, this is part of their effort, as you know, to cut off a range of information from their public. Uh, There are there are concerns, uh, concerning steps that have taken to crack down on any form of information being shared with their public. Certainly, Facebook is a part of that. They're also threatening fines for journalists reporting on the ground. They've conveyed that there are only certain words that um, their own Russian media can use at the risk of being fined or even jailed. Zaki called for censorship, or called the censorship rather, a pattern, saying it's not necessarily a new approach that they have taken. Russian troops took control of Europe's largest nuclear power plant in Ukraine early today, this morning, their time, after a firefight with Ukrainian troops caused a training building on the grounds to catch fire, prompting international alarm over the possibility that nuclear reactors might be damaged and release radioactive material. Ukrainian emergency services extinguished the blaze at the uh, at the plant in Oblask, but it is uh, now believed to be controlled by Russians. The head of the International Atomic Energy Agency... The U.N.'s nuclear organization says Russia's assault on the uh, the plant did not disrupt the six nuclear reactors or emit radioactive material, although the situation there is still very fragile and should put the world on notice. Well, during Putin's tenure, evangelical leaders in Russia have stayed out of politics and avoided speaking out to criticize the government. But hundreds are risking further persecution and backlash by calling on their leaders to stop this senseless bloodshed. That's an actual quote. Stop this senseless bloodshed as war in Ukraine continues. Pray for the church in Russia. A million people have left Ukraine in a span of a week, and more than 100,000 of them have gone to Moldova, where a tiny but eager evangelical minority have stepped up to serve. And as strange as it seems, life and ministry goes on during wartime, even with air raid sirens and endless anxiety. As his building uh, uh, gathers in bomb shelters during air raids, a pastor in Ukraine prays, reads scriptures and answers spiritual questions from his neighbors. Russian artillery fire struck Ukraine's largest nuclear plant, as mentioned. Developments indicate Russia is losing the information war at home and Vladimir Putin is not able to fully control the narrative. Uh, targeted um, for assassination. Uh, Zelensky has reportedly been targeted for assassination at least three times since the Russian troops invaded. And a Russian general has been killed. Ukrainian defense forces killed Russian Major General Andrei Sukhov- Sukhovsky in combat earlier this week. Pompeo suggests the U.S. immediately do the right and obvious thing and recognize Taiwan as a free and sovereign country. Senator Bill Cassidy is calling for an Operation Warp Speed project for U.S. domestic energy production. And in a case of gender outrage, conservatives defended Texas Governor Greg Abbott, his directive probing the child abuse of controversial transgender treatments with a court battle while the president uh, attacks. The Biden administration said it is granting deportation protection to Ukrainian nationals in the United States after a lawmaker's request. And Senator Lindsey Graham said it's time for U.S. to stop buying Russian oil and gas and start putting Putin's military commanders in jail for war crimes. Well, he is uh, one of many voices on both sides of the political aisle suggesting the United States needs to stop buying Russian oil.
Two Russian news outlets that refused to spout Kremlin's talking points following the Ukraine invasion have been forced off the air. And a Polish-born member of Congress predicted Thursday the Russian President Vladimir Putin will never win his war against Ukraine, saying they'll never win. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're taking a look at some of the day's headlines. We'll switch to the lighter side of the news a bit later this hour and the Christian outlook in our second hour. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, where we're just winding our way through some of the day's headlines. We'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. James Blinn will join me for that in the second half of this first hour. Well, as Russia's war with Ukraine enters a second week, more than one million refugees are spilling over the Western European embankment. Hollywood supports Ukraine, while a number of celebrities and lawmakers have elected to stay and fight to thwart the invasion. An American priest is helping to bring aid to refugees as they cross into Poland, saying there's a mountain of work to be done. Well, as Ukraine seeks aid, some lawmakers uh, uh, take a long weekend off. The president has asked for $10 billion in emergency humanitarian and defense aid. From another story, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer on Thursday gave lawmakers the weekend off, despite bipartisan calls for immediate congressional action on an emergency aid package for Ukraine. Even some of uh, Ms. Pelosi and Mr. Schumer's fellow Democrats were outraged, especially with Ukraine struggling to stave off collapse in the face of a multi-pronged Russian invasion that could collapse the nation in a matter of days. We need to pass it today. They need to call us back in and those who can't come back can vote remotely, but we've got to pass it. That's a quote from Representative Ro Khanna, California Democrat. Every day, hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians are dying. Today, there was a photograph of a father holding the body of his dead teenage son. It's horrific. The least we can do is provide them with a fighting chance with weapons. Congressman Mike Waltz says, why is Congress leaving for the weekend when the heroic Ukrainians desperately need lethal aid? Why doesn't Speaker Pelosi have us voting on this aid package today? Well, it's an unanswered question, and the long weekend has begun. In the midst of the crisis, President Biden is working with Putin on the Iran deal. Um, Andrew McCarthy points out that even as Russia was marshalling its invasion forces, the Biden administration was relying on Russia as its principal intermediary in the negotiations with Iran. It's doubly humiliating. The president and his envoy, appeasement aficionado Rob Malley, uh, have turned to a rogue for help because the other rogue they are pleading with for a deal won't deign to negotiate directly with the United States. Meanwhile, Pompeo says the United States should offer Taiwan diplomatic recognition. He made the point in a series of tweets yesterday. The former secretary of state met with Taiwan's president yesterday as well. Well, that would definitely contribute to the start of World War III. Trans activists assaulted a father who was denied custody of his son after contesting his trans diagnosis. Invited to speak at a campus lecture hall by the Young Conservatives of Texas UNT chapter, Younger was about to share the story of how the Texas judiciary had stripped him of his right to advocate on behalf of his child. Then activists from the left, some of whom are believed to be affiliated with the North Texas offshoot of Antifa, hijacked the presentation, shouting Younger down and eventually forcing him to evacuate before punching him as he left the building. 
The NFL has suspended COVID protocols. Fans generally ignore them anyway, but from the story, teams are still required to follow current restrictions in their state. But the league has said it's no longer a mandate for the major provisions of the COVID-19 protocol, including testing, mask wearing, COVID signage, isolation and room capacity limits. The move comes as states across America continue to see downward trends of COVID-19 cases and hospitalization rates. An Iowa bill bans men from competing in women's sports. The governor, Kim Reynolds, uh, signed it surrounded by young girls. From the story, calling it a victory for girls' sports in Iowa, the Republican governor signed House File 2416 at a ceremony surrounded by young female athletes a day after the state Senate passed the measure in a party-line vote. No matter of talent, training, or effort, can make up for the natural physical advantages males have over females, the governor said. It's simply a reality of human biology. Forcing females to compete against males is the opposite of inclusivity, and it's absolutely unfair. Regarding a story on how the University of Penn male swimmer is exposing himself to females on the team, Bethany Mandel points out, we're teaching girls to ignore that very important little voice in their heads. A teacher has been fired for calling a girl by her proper pronoun, That teacher is suing. The story looks back on how it occurred, the reaction from students, and where it is now. We'll cover that next week. According to another study, vaping is bad for you. Did we really need another study? Well, it doesn't look silly, or just look silly. Uh, Frequent vaping can increase a person's risk of developing high blood pressure or blood sugar, known in medical circles as prediabetes, which is reversible but often leads to full-blown type 2 diabetes and a host of serious health problems later in life, according to a report published Wednesday in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine. Well, births decreased in the first half of 2021, a 2% decline at a time when birth rates were already at a record low. The February jobs numbers surged to 678,000. Job growth across the nation accelerated in February as the country added 678,000 jobs. The Labor Department reported that the headline unemployment rate ticked down to 3.8 percent. However, wage growth remained stagnant, rising over January by just 0.03 percent or roughly one cent per hour coming in below an anticipated 0.5% growth. And the number of employed Americans is now approximately 1.14 million less or fewer than the pre-COVID levels. The job growth is good news. The bad news is that inflation is still a major problem, with next week's consumer price index expected to rise from January's 7.5% to an anticipated 8%. President Biden is building back his Build Back Better plan, He's rebranding his failed Build Back Better socialist spending bill as Build a Better America, confirming that his um, that this is the same uh, bill only under a new name. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki stated no one cares about the name. They care about what's in it and what it's going to do. Well, that certainly is the case. Well, in his State of the Union address, the lowest uh, rated first uh, State of the Union in 30 years, the president used the phrase build a better America to to describe his plan, but said we'll go into more detail later. So will this uh, rebranding work? Well, seeing as it uh, contains basically the same socialist spending and climate agenda as the first, it appears unlikely if Democrat Senator Joe Manchin's response is a barometer. 
Nancy Pelosi wants to ban Russian oil and American oil experts, and she's not alone. On Thursday, she responded to a question as to whether she agreed to with growing the bipartisan calls led by Republican lawmakers for the U.S. to ban the import of Russian oil. The U.S. imported roughly 670,000 barrels of oil and petroleum-based products from Russia every day in 2021, vastly more than before Joe Biden took the helm. Ban it, Pelosi responded. Ban the oil coming from Russia. However, she refused to call for Biden to open up U.S. access to oil resources that he steadily worked to limit. As House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy observed, Speaker Pelosi ban oil from Russia. Also, Speaker Pelosi ban oil from America. Democrats aren't trying to punish Russia or help Americans. They actually want gas prices to be as high as possible so they can scam you with the radical Green New Deal. End quote. NATO has rejected a no-fly zone over Ukraine. Lindsey Graham calls for Vladimir Putin's assassination. That is not, by the way, U.S. policy. Russia, losing the information war at home, is scrambling to reshape the narrative. Fear of martial law has sparked a Russian exodus, and Russia's credit rating is cut to junk. The U.S. says Iran's nuke deal is close, but difficult hurdles remain. Well, I'm glad for that. Science has officially changed. Federal agencies are dropping their mask mandates. That's political science, by the way. Vivek Murthy's demand for data on COVID misinformation is part of a creepy crusade to suppress dissent. That's the latest version of it. And the Florida legislature voted to ban abortions after 15 weeks. Ron DeSantis is expected to approve. Iowa passed a law preventing biological boys from playing girls sports and the high court has reimposed the Boston Marathon Bombers death sentence. Well, on this day in history, 1791, Vermont becomes the 14th state of the United States. 1793, George Washington is sworn in for a second term as president of the United States during a ceremony in Philadelphia. 1865, President Abraham Lincoln is inaugurated for a second term in office. With the end of the Civil War in sight, Lincoln declares, with malice toward none, with charity toward all. 1913, the Buffalo Nickel officially goes into circulation. 1925, in the first national radio broadcast of an inauguration, U.S. President Calvin Coolidge's inauguration is heard live on 21 radio stations coast to coast. 1933, Franklin Delano Roosevelt takes office as America's 32nd president. 1952, Ronald Reagan and Nancy Davis are married in San Fernando Valley, California. 1987, President Reagan addresses the nation on the Iran-Contra affair, acknowledging that his overtures to Iran deteriorated into an arms-for-hostages deal. 1994, in New York City, four Islamic extremists are convicted of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing that killed six people and injured more than a 1,000. 2014, Secretary of State John Kerry meets in Ukraine with the new government's leaders in a show of support following Russia's military incursion into the Crimean Peninsula. 2014. 2018, in an interview with NBC News, Russian President Vladimir Putin says Russia would never extradite any of the 13 Russians who were indicted by the United States for election meddling. He also insisted they didn't act on behalf of the government. And finally, on this day in history, 2019, doctors announced an HIV positive man in Britain has become the second known adult worldwide to be cleared of the AIDS virus after he received a bone marrow transplant from an HIV resistant donor. Well, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We've made our way through some of the serious headlines of the day. We're going to uh, take a look at the lighter side of the news when James Blinn joins me in studio momentarily. 
You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Back, you're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Joining me in studio, James Blinn. Yo, James. What's going on? Well, we're just trying to do this show thing. Well, I'm, you know, it's Friday. I, I only feel like putting in a minimal amount of effort. Is that all right? <laughs> like you do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> uh, question. Yeah. Got anything to tell us about your uh, your little girl who, you know, comes up with some pretty interesting things these days? You know, it actually had one of the stranger things happen this morning. I was taking her to school, and mm-hmm. about 10 minutes into the journey, she said, Dad, I forgot something. I forgot a book, forgot some, you know, pens, whatever. Looked back. She wasn't wearing her coat. Oh, you forget your jacket? No, I forgot my shoes. What? But you walked out to the car. Yeah. The ground was wet. Yeah. How did you not notice? Okay, now how far into the journey were you when she announced she had Almost 10 minutes. About a third of the way. Okay. So we had to go home and... (laughs) Mama was home because she had the day off, and uh, I called ahead, and I'm like, wow. you're not going to believe this one. She's like, what? Her shoes? So, yeah, we had it, it took an extra 20 minutes to get her to school this morning. She was five minutes late well, because she forgot her shoes. I have to admit, I am regularly surprised by some of the things that happen at your household. You know, and it's not one of those things that, because it's so basic, I've never looked at my daughter's feet to go, now let's see, did she remember to wear her shoes today? <laughs> wow. You know, I look to see, did she brush her hair? You know, does she need a little help with that? You know, is everything straight? Did she, you know, yeah. did, you know is her collar fine? You know, those kind of things. I guess I'm going to have to check the feet now. <laughs> Put that on the list. It's on the list. Yeah. Wow. Well, let's see. What do we got here by way of um, the lighter side of the news? Well, a mom is celebrating her son's uncombable hair. He actually has a rare condition that his hair is uncombable. And I can I can relate because my hair is I don't have the condition, the rare condition, but my hair at times is uncombable. Well, this mom lives in Georgia. She's campaigning to spread awareness and positivity after her one year old son his name is Lachlan, was diagnosed with uncombable hair syndrome. We've got a name for everything. It's a rare condition. It afflicts about 100 people around the world. We have zero clue why he has it, but we're so glad he does. Uh, he was, She was speaking, rather, to, um, to the local media, speaking of her tot's untamable mane. Well, the Atlanta native and her husband, also 33, Uh, First noticed something was awry with their five-month-old son, and his hair started to grow longer. It was coming in straight up and so soft and fuzzy it couldn't be managed. Now, we're in the 21st century. You know, there are products. You can pretty much do anything with anything these days. But as it continued to grow, it never laid down. Never. The mom said the two thought nothing of it until a stranger messaged her this past summer in an Instagram post and asked if um, her tyke had uncontrollable... combable hair syndrome, something uh, she had never heard of until that point. She was on Good Morning America along with her son, who has uncombable hair syndrome. Wow. Had you ever heard of such a thing? 
I've never heard of that, but I've always wondered, uh, you know, speaking of kids with, with uh, you know, odd hair things, um, Charlie Brown, what's the deal there? He only has like a squiggle of Uncombable hair. single hair yeah, syndrome. Yeah, he's got an uncombable <laughs> hair syndrome. Not uncombable hairs, but hair. Yeah, one one hair. He's a kid. Where's the rest of it? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, and, and you know, the poor kid's bullied for it. Yeah. So, well, this mom concerned about her son's future. She feared the worst. She was distraught. She did a deep Google dive into the affliction, a genetic condition in which a structural anomaly in the hair prevents it from being flattened or combed, leaving it chronically unkempt. Well, that's kind of fashionable these days. So, you know, if you're going to have a kid with uncombable hair syndrome, this is the time to do it. A UHS generally affects kids between the ages of three and three years, so it might change over time, although parents is, uh, patients rather as old as 12 have been reported. And while there have only been about 100 recorded cases, medical experts say some could be unreported. So you grow out of it, apparently, uncombable hair syndrome. Uh, I've had it for years, and now I'm going to use it as an excuse. You know, we've been wearing the masks. People have been doing their work in their pajamas. I think many of us have uh, contracted uncombable hair syndrome. I mean, I cut mine so short so I don't have to bother anymore. Undressable work syndrome. Unbrushable teeth syndrome. But one of the things that one of the things I've got to learn to deal with here as we as we unmask in the near future um, is I've let my on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. let my stubble go just a little bit more than usual. And I I think I'm going to go back to the clean shavenness. Yeah, I went more regularly than I do. Because I won't have a mask to kind of cover it up. Yeah, I mean the the mask is kind of a it's kind of a convenience when you don't want to do that lower half. Yeah, that's that's kind of my feeling. You know, <laughs> so what I was actually thinking of is uh, going to the fabric store and grabbing some sherpa and kind of cutting it out and gluing it to the inside of all my masks and making them face warmers. Okay. This way, I can I don't have to shave and my face is warm. Okay, we'll just leave that at that. Okay. We're not going to mention how odd that is. Strange. Okay. Somebody right now is listening to that going, I need to start opening an Etsy store right now. <laughs> well, there's a guy who gets paid thousands to watch the Simpsons. Simpsons. He says it's his unhealthy obsession, but it's lucrative. Don't have a cow man, but one UK man is living the dream of every Simpsons super fan. Alexander Townley undoubtedly became the envy of longtime watchers of the animated series after revealing that he gets paid $6,804 to watch every episode of the iconic comedy cartoon with complimentary donuts, donuts thrown in to boot. Mm, he says, I'm a diehard Simpson fan and watching it for money is something I've always dreamt of. He's 26. Should know better. Uh, anyway, the Nottingham native, who's been a Simpsons super fan for as long as he can remember, learned about the gig after his brother tagged him in an online advert seeking people to watch the show, uh, to watch the Matt Groening uh, c- uh, creation and analyze its predictions for the future, something the series is famous for. Around 10 people shared the post with me because all my friends and family know about his unhealthy obsession with the program. While the Simpsons addict said he found the show to be absolutely fascinating as well as perennially relevant as it's a reflection on society and based on stereotypes. So anyway, he managed to get a gig out of that uh, that pays him $6,800 
excuse me, $6,804. Now, now here's, here's a kind of a, I want to say crazy observation, but you said he was 26. Yeah. The show had been on for almost 10 years when he was born. Well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't know what to say, but um, he's really That's a lot it. of episodes. 6000 You said $6,000? But about a buck an episode with how many they've made? Yeah. Would you be willing to, to watch every episode of something in order to be compensated? Sure. As long as it's something that only lasted a season. Yeah, there, there you go. Well, there is a, a Roostook County. They've dedicated uh, a courthouse therapy dog, I guess, to kind of keep things on the uh, on the calm side. Well, the county courthouse is poised to be the first in Maine to have a dedicated therapy dog to provide emotional support for people dealing with traumatic experiences. It's a yellow Labrador puppy named Holiday. Of course, Holiday won't always be a puppy. Uh, began up um, uh, to two years of training uh, with a goal of becoming a calming presence in a stressful environment. Now, I think for the vast majority of people, a yellow Labrador would be a calming presence in a stressful environment. For others of us, that would be the stressful element in a calm environment. You introduce a dog into a courthouse and I would be terrified. Anyway, yes, you the, would. the county district attorney uh, told the local news that the courthouse dogs can help traumatize children and victims of crime. They can also provide emotional support for law enforcement officers, first responders and others. A courthouse dog can provide emotional support for everyone. OK, you need to scratch that out. Not everyone for a lot of people, but not everyone. Well, the courthouse already has an unofficial therapy dog, an English Mastiff named Neffy, who can sometimes be found in the office of his uh, owner, uh, the victim witness advocate uh, there. Holiday will have a much more focused job once she completes her training, uh, says the owner. And um, the licensed courthouse dog will just be there to do whatever a licensed (laughs) courthouse dog would otherwise do. Remind me never to go to Aroostook County courthouse we're going to take a quick break we'll be back you're listening to the georgine rice show podcast is aired on 93.9 kpdq hey we're back you're listening to the georgine rice show james blend has joined me in studio to talk about some of the lighter side of the news okay you made mention earlier you wanted to line your face mask with sherpa i'm a seamstress i go to the fabric store with some regularity what is sherpa Really? You've never seen Sherpa? Well, I may have seen it, but I've never heard any it's, fabric called Sherpa. It's like a, a, a artificial wool type thing. It's that, kind of a furry yeah. fabric? Yeah, a white furry fabric. I've got Sherpa blankets and sweaters at home. Huh. Sherpa. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, it's very warm. Hmm. Well, for whom the bell tolls, a bronze bell cast in 1834 in um, Paul Revere's Massachusetts foundry has come home. It's capping a nearly two-century cross-country odyssey that saw it hauled by ox cart to churches in Ohio before languishing for decades in a California garage. Imagine that. Well, after a week-long journey across America, the historic bell was returned Friday to the site where it was created 188 years ago. Uh, the mu- museum, rather, said the 1,000-pound 1,000-pound bell was made by the Revolutionary War Patriot's son, Joseph Warren Revere, who took over his father's foundry in 1804. 
1984, real estate agent Jenny Shanks became the Bell's accidental owner. She helped broker the sale of what once was First Baptist Church in Vermilion, Ohio, to a fitness center. But the gym didn't want the heavy bell, and Shanks didn't feel good about it being scrapped. So she made a $1,000 donation to the church in exchange for the bell, which earlier had adorned the, the belfry of the First Presbyterian Church of Cleveland. Owen Shanks and her husband uh, retired to Chino Hills, California. They hauled the bell with them, and it's now um, uh, back in Boston where it uh, belongs Uh, The bronze bell cast in 1834 by Paul Revere's Massachusetts son at the foundry. That was its home. Pretty cool. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing they drove it along the New England Turnpike. I mean, after all, for whom the bell tolls. What? I'm just waiting for the crickets because I know they're just waiting to chirp right about now. It's so bad. That one was so (laughs) bad that even the crickets are like, nah, that wouldn't work. They just walked off. They just walked off. They are on strike. (laughs) Anyway, that's pretty cool. I've started watching on the uh, Magnolia Network a program called Revolutionary Road. And the whole show is old structures that are being uh, restored. Uh, you might find a dilapidated barn and you look at the outside and it looks like it's, you know, you could blow on it. It would just fall over. Yeah. But they you go inside and you see these incredible structures uh, and the fact that they were all hand hewn, some of these huge boards. And it's really fascinating to watch that. So I thought this Paul Revere story was pretty interesting. What they do is they deconstruct the barn, literally taking it apart one piece at a time, marking them and then reconstructing it, most likely in a different location and leave the beams exposed so you see these hand-hewn beams from these ancient trees. It's really fascinating to see the kind of uh, skill and craftsmanship that was required to erect them and then to be able to, hundreds of years later, deconstruct them, haul them to some other location, put a foundation down, and see them built up again. It's really fascinating. Where I grew up uh, in New York, they had a uh, they have a place called Old Bethpage Village. And what Old Bethpage Village is, is literally... Houses from all over Long Island, some with historical significance, others that are just old. Mm-hmm. And they Why are you looking at me exactly, like when you say old? Why are you looking at me? What are you trying, I'm trying to say? To, because I'm trying to make eye contact with the person <laughs> I'm speaking to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, go ahead. Anyway, um, they've made this entire experience, experience mm-hmm. set back you know, a couple hundred years and, and make it educational old and experience. Wise, maybe. Um, and that's exactly Seasoned. it. It's all. Pla- that they've literally piece Vintage. by piece been moved there. Uh huh. All right then. And it's very cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, was it? Were you showing me something here? Oh, this is the. Uh, that's Sherpa. This is Sherpa. He's handed me his phone, in which there's the fabric that's called Sherpa. Thank you. Now, See, do you it, know if it's it, wool? It. it I, I it, think it's synthetic. It's synthetic. Okay. Well, here's another story. Moving on. A Polish endurance enthusiast broke a Guinness world record. Now, you probably should yawn right about then. Uh, He's from Lithuania. He spent three hours and 28 minutes with his body submerged in ice. You say what? Where are those crickets when you need them? I mean, they've walked off earlier. They should be chirping right about now. Well, he climbed into a glass tank of ice and attempted to maintain full body contact with the ice for as long as long as possible, at least long enough to break the record of two hours and 35 minutes and 33 seconds, which was set by somebody from France. Well, the endurance enthusiast said he trained for the record for six months, which means he was in and out of ice water. 
I've been dealing with the cold for several years, he told Guinness half a year before the record. There was a decision made to try my strengths in this discipline. I did a few trainings, after which I decided that the record was within reach, end quote. Well, he previously broke the Guinness World Record for furthest distance cycled off-road in 12 hours when he took the 195.51 miles ride. Yeah. He said he <laughs> prepared for, for the ice record in a similar... Are you done? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. He says he prepared for the ice record in a <laughs> similar way to cycling... Uh, he said his preparedness for both records involved training, rest, and regeneration. You know, do you just have way too much time on your hands that you first come up with the idea and then you work on breaking a meaningless record? I mean, is this impressive or is this pitiful? I'm not sure which. I, I guess it's probably both, depending on how you look at it. I mean, obviously... Dude probably doesn't think it's pitiful, but everybody (laughs) else on the entire planet does. I mean, who comes up with this stuff? I'm going to drink ice water while standing on one foot. And that suddenly becomes a record. I'm going to gargle yogurt while standing on my hand. It's going to hurt. Um, And then I'm going to blink in Morse code the Constitution while I do it. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if that's not that, that, already I, in the Guinness Book. It very well may be. It very well may be. Otherwise, I'm practicing starting tonight. Blink the Morris Code. Yeah. The Constitution. Yep. Wow. Don't forget the gargling yogurt. That I might want to see. Oh, and gargling yogurt. While standing on my own hand. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, Percy is a porcupine. Not just any porcupine. He is a porcupine puppet. Actually, I just like saying porcupine. Uh, Anyway, a porcupine, porcupine puppet of prodigious proportions. He emerged from, well, I guess she emerged from her giant stump home for an audience of school children and media members at a Los Angeles park on Tuesday. Percy, the porcupine puppet of prodigious proportions. Well, the adorable beast inspired oohs and ahs as she blinked her droopy eyes and opened her mouth to show her buck teeth. She stood nearly two stories tall with a nose the size of a Volkswagen. A joint project of the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance and Jim Henson's creative um, shop, Percy was led out to celebrate next week's opening of the zoo's new wildlife explorers base camp. Six months in the planning, the puppet is modeled on the uh, prehensile-tailed porcupine, native of South America. It has a circumference of nearly 40 feet and has 2,000 foam quills uh, that it took a house worth of paint to put stripes on. We've done some fantasy creatures a little bit bigger, but in terms of duplicating an animal, it's the biggest we've ever done, said Peter Brook. He is the creative supervisor of Jim Henson's Creatures Shop. Well, the prehensile tail that gives the uh, tree-dwelling, fruit-eating species its name exists in this case in the imagination only. Just the front half exists and pokes out of uh, of the rest appearing to stay safely inside a log. It's actually quite fascinating to see. It's essentially based on a big inflatable with the addition of a mouth, a jaw, and mechanical eyes. Percy, the porcupine puppet of prodigious proportions. I hope to see it one day. I'll be, in the meantime, sitting on pins and needles. Okay. I think that's good. All right, good. 
Coming up, we're going to have news and traffic. And when we return, the Christian Outlook. You'll hear from Kevin McCullough. He'll talk with retired U.S. Army General Jack Keane, along with Brandon Weikart. He's the founder of the Weikart Report. They'll talk about Russia's ill-equipped and insufficiently trained military carrying out this ongoing invasion. Don Crow will turn to Elijah Brown, CEO of Baptist World Alliance, to look at how Christ followers are faring under these uh, war conditions. And Dr. Albert Moeller looks at Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky, the man who has caught uh, the attention of the entire free world with his example of courage and character. It will be interesting to see how long he can survive what's happening as the West dawdles with providing any kind of help that could uh, help the Ukrainians oppose their opponents. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Stick around. We'll be back in a few moments. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.